Hello, everyone, and welcome to Note to Scene, a music news podcast covering everything from pop punk to metalcore. I'm Matt Crane. I'm Tyler Sharp. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where every week we discuss and debate all the biggest news stories in the music scene. Find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, where you should please rate and review us. Email us at notescene at gmail.com. We have so much to talk about this week. Big news from the Somerset and Tonight Alive. But first, we're going to talk about Waterparks, who just announced a new album and could be the next all-time low, maybe? All right, let's go. My body by the liquor store i'm an asshole let me die slow has to be the best chorus since push me to the edge all my friends are dead <laughs> is that gonna be on your tombstone matt yeah i don't know man but that is a fire chorus dude straight up that nothing nowhere track is gonna make it on my songs of the year list for sure it's so good like it kind of cooks it came out of nowhere for me too because you and i I kind of written off Nothing Nowhere as basically Diet Lil Peep, Diet SoundCloud, because those first two songs that they pushed were that. But this yeah. song, Scully, that they're pushing as a single with the, the album came out, and they dropped a video for, for Scully on Friday, and everything just kind of fits now with that song. He, we, he's yeah. he's dropping bars, but that chorus is a total SoundCloud rap chorus. Good emo rap. Uh, shouts to Johnny. Shouts to Father Pete for uh, making all that happen. And shouts, um, to, all right, let's... shouts to John Caramonica for New York Times. Oh, yeah. They got that New York Times right up, right? Yep. Yeah. Shit. Big league stuff. Um, he went camping with him. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Yo, shouts to camping. All right. Let's all right. go into listener questions this week. Our first question comes in from listener Aaron L., who writes into notescene at gmail.com. Aaron writes, okay, real talk, guys. Make out. What is your deal with them? I know they are a contrived band, but they have some serious bangers. I get late 2000s Blink as well as Cartel and Yellow Card influence. But I have listened to this new album five or six times, and damn, this album has good lyrics, beats, and can actually play their instruments really well. Granted, might sound a little overproduced, but in 2017, it's perfectly okay. Really just wondering why this album isn't getting any traction. What am I missing? So, Aaron. You want to take this one, Matt? (laughs) Well, I'll I'll start, and and I'll I'll let you kind of take it away. I think this album's, like, kind of fire. Like, it cooks. Like, there there are some burners on here. Like, Secrets, Crazy, Lisa. This album is fucking a lot of fun. But um, what you're missing, Aaron, is that it pissed a lot of people off when when it kind of first got announced. Um, there's a lot of misogynistic, asshole, douchebag lyrics on this album and the song Secrets in particular, which got the big push. And um, a lot of people really hated it. And um, some websites and blogs even like blacklisted the band for it, you know, and the usage of words like whore and stuff like that. And um going after an ex-girlfriend which you know for me it's like i am i'm from the emo scene man so i'm all about a song going after your ex-girlfriend and i'm used to that but when it comes to make out i question the sincerity of it you know like if it's sincere okay but when it comes to make out it's like this it it might feel like he's doing it for controversy's sake 
Um, what do you think, T-Sharp? Um, that's exactly the page I'm at. This entire album was formulated down to the T. And the scene is in a very socially aware moment right now, as we've talked about on the show. So this record was released in order to make people talk about it, to make people get angry. The The backlash was expected. So I am on the same page as you. Hey, shouts to the backlash. Never shouts, fails to show up. Shouts like to the, the backlash. backlash. Shouts to all of you. You're always there. <laughs> always riding. And honestly, like it was cool to have a band create that kind of waves the size that Makeout are. To know that it's possible for an absolute no-name band to do what they did, it kind of awoke the scene in a way. And I liked that. It was good to have discussion about something rather than just this void that the scene is becoming. So low-key, album rips. Uh, don't appreciate <laughs> don't appreciate the immaturity of it, but that's that's the line that's being drawn in the sand right now, and this is where we're at. Yeah, it's like the album rips, but you're not going to see me writing for it on Twitter or anything. Right, it's, no. It, it low-key rips, okay? You know, don't get us in too much trouble, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our next question comes in from listener Joshua P., Joshua writes in, hey guys, I was wondering about how you guys feel about Dance Gavin Dance and what era slash album is your personal favorite? Um, I'm going to let you take this one away, T-Sharp, because <laughs> uh, T-Sharp is our in-house, me. yeah, like our in-house Dance Gavin Dance minister. So I'm going to come out and give a slight hot take here on this Dance oh, no. Gavin Dance question. Oh no. Self-titled and Happiness, those albums are just so, they felt fresh. No one else, I I would say in the scene, has written albums like either of those albums. They're vicious in the best ways possible, and they're completely different, but they still have that Kurt Travis vibe to it that really sets it apart from everything else. And while Kurt Travis is my favorite, I enjoy every era of Dance Gavin Dance. I enjoy the immaturity of the Johnny eras. And that immaturity did fall over in Kurt's era, but I felt like sonically and thematically, it felt more like a real band that was actually pushing some boundaries, while their Johnny's was more of just like a joke. That being said, the Tillian era is coming on strong, man. I was disappointed with Acceptance Speech. It's my least favorite Dance Gavin Dance album out of all of them. But they came back. Sold really well, though, I think. Gotta point that out. Because the comeback was real, man. It was like Tillian found a band, finally, after all these years. Was it going to be Seosin? Was it going to be Amorosa? Boom, it's Dance, Gam, and Dance. And the hype was real. I remember that. But I remember being disappointed, and I'm still not the biggest fan of that album. But the two albums after that have been insane. And I like both of them better and better as time has gone gone on so they're in the studio right now working on their eighth album and it's going to drop in 2018 and i'm more excited about dance game and dance now than i ever have been and i don't think i'm alone mm-hmm. there so for me um i'm 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 pretty cliche here i'm all about the j sierra oh, johnny christ man. my guy of course i mean downtown battle mountain man like my path to discovery discovery for this band is so funny so i was with a girl and we were YouTubing um, how to do emo scene hair. Oh, um, no. And a lot of people probably remember back in the day, there was this girl, I don't, I think her name was Alyssa. Anyway, she had like the YouTube tutorial how to do scene hair for a girl video. And um, it had like a million views. It was really popular. It's gone now. But um, while she did her scene hair, the music that was playing in the background was Lemon Meringue Thai. 
and I was like, "What is this fucking fire I am hearing nice. in the background of nice. this 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 emo hair tutorial?" And that led me to Downtown Battle Mountain. And you know, I fucking love that album. And I also loved when Johnny came back for Downtown Battle Mountain too. Like that shit was amazing. Oh my god, Downtown Battle Mountain two. Yeah, man, that's kind I'm of just, iconic. That's an iconic I, moment. I am just all about J- if JC's in the band, I like it. You know, Tillian, I. I respect what they're doing now. I really do. Like, I, it's good music. You can tell they're good at it. It's just, like, not really for me. I'm a little salty about Tillian because Tillian was going to join Seosin. And <laughs> I really loved those Tillian demos. And I'm really still, I'm, like, secretly upset that that didn't work out between him and Seosin. But, you know, I'm happy he found his place in Dance Gavin Dance. And I'm happy they're having success. It's cool to see a band like that doing well today. You know? Absolutely. It's a hard, hard thing to find. I mean, when you think about it, they outsold crown the empire they outsold sleeping with sirens they outsold of mice and men they're rolling right now man and it's really cool to see they are rolling but we gotta move on tyler to our main story of the week which is water parks the scenes up and comers um they announced their new album entertainment coming out in january on evr and produced by benji from good charlotte who also manages them and they also released the lead single from the album called blonde have you had a chance to hear Blonde, Tyler Sharp? I have, absolutely, unfortunately. And uh, there, I have to come into this. Anyone who's listened to the show knows I have strong opinions about this band. And just before we get into this, know that I have shed them all to look at this band in a new light and attempt to see where things are going here. So with Blonde, there's nothing new, but they're refining their formula and it's coming off in a better light. Um, The lead riff, it is unfortunately very buried in the mix, but in the intro to the song, we have Austin's vocals, and then you have this crunchy riff that we haven't really heard in a water park song before. We've had the riffs in the full length that we got on Equal Vision last year, but this crunchy riff reminds me of early 2000s pop punk and the chord progression throughout the rest of the song it bums me out that it's so buried because you can easily miss it but this dichotomy between early 2000s pop punk with their electronic elements that vibe more towards neon meets 2017 it's a very interesting formula and on paper it's probably like my favorite thing ever and they're getting better at executing it I think this song is the best song they've ever released so far. Although that's not saying much, I think it's a step in the right direction for them. Um, okay. There's a so lot. Give me a score. So right now I'm at a seven out of ten out of it. Um, seven out of ten. There's a lot going on in this song. It's that's good. It's super fast paced. We have Austin's. You know, at this point, it's his signature kind of obnoxious mm-hmm. ADD vocal delivery. I will say that less is more. Like going through, but like, okay. l- l- like for a second, let's just talk about Austin here. As a figure, he's like he he's this publicly vulnerable personality, and you know, yeah. like with his his all caps tweets and purposefully color colorful aesthetic and his hair. You know, like this is all very crucial to water parks as a brand. And naming the single blonde is, I think, okay. kind of low key genius because he just yeah. dyed his hair blonde from the blue era. <laughs> and, and it's low key genius. I feel like there's actually some development going on with this band for the first time in their career. I'm in, man. like you don't sound as hesitant as i do no i'm in like just and just like you i got like old neon vibes 
clashing with like early 2000s pop punk vibes and it it, kind of starts off when you hear like you said you hear austin's high voice over that quick picking riff in the Mm -hmm. beginning Mm -hmm. and it sort of just fucking feels inevitable like that moment to me it felt like they've arrived and it also it felt very all-time low to me like that i was like that that's a young alex almost right there and and the sort of aggression underneath with the guitar but it's original enough that they're not like jacking all time low you get sort of like the essence of all time low or that the fun of like a nothing personal kind of song on blonde but it's not a straight rip so yeah i really just liked it it even gets a little aggressive you know like you've got those really crunchy riffs throughout and mm-hmm. uh austin actually steps up into like more of a post-hardcore lane with his vo- with and the bridge. his voice yeah yeah <laughs> and the, the lyrics um my favorite lyrics in the song where he says like i feel trapped in contracts i'm dressed i'm depressed tied in gift wrap and that kind of like makes sense you know he's Sums signed all these deals band. with two labels management companies he's depressed he's tied in gift wrap i can't think of a singer who's been more like literally bow bow tied and gift wrap than him you know what i mean he's a pretty package poster boy you know what i mean put on every magazine cover that's him he's tied in gift wrap so i thought that was a pretty clever lyric absolutely i think uh and that's one of the things that pisses me off about water parks because they've had the red carpet rolled out for them unlike any other band it's fucking ridiculous how much this band has gotten handed and yeah. it pleases me that they're finally beginning to deliver musically. I think um, "Stupid for You" was a hit. I think like that. I think it's over seven million plays on Spotify. It was a good hit. It was their hit. I think that's what's going to get people to come back and check them out. And I think "Blonde" is going to be a song that is going to keep people around. I'm at a seven point nine out of ten. Wow. With potential to bust into that eight lane. There's potential. Wow. Like. It, it really brought me back, man. Like you said, it does. early 2000s pop punk with a rock vibe. It really, it gave me like an exciting feeling I haven't had in a while. I was terrified to feel excited about a water park <laughs> song. But here we are in 2017, man. <laughs> I gotta give a quick props. Um, he references the world devastator in this song. And that is a weapon you have to fight in the nintendo 64 game star wars rogue squadron the world devastator <laughs> of course <laughs> little star wars reference in the uh, track which i appreciated but yeah so the last album barely came out a year ago and we're already getting another album i mean it's full I think it's speed ahead i think that's good you know because yeah. i don't think the that first album i don't like it at all I understand that stupid for you had has momentum it's, and it was it's a good the thing only, for them. It's the only good song on that. Right. One. It was the only moment that that album actually had that was debatable, I will say, but they have momentum from it mm-hmm. and obviously like I said the red carpet has been rolled out for them unlike any other rising band. So via being are... managed by the Madden brothers who are very powerful in the music industry. Exactly. They have the best management you could you could hope for and they're 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 going they have gotten and will continue to get all of the best opportunities for a band it just feels like this song is the first time to me it's felt earned you know what i mean like all the opportunities before you're like you don't deserve this you're not good enough this i'm like okay if you get some big blowout coverage with this you deserve it because this song is is kind of exciting i'm not to the 
point you are with the song, but I think that they're getting there to the point where they might start deserving their hype because Yo, the hype fam, was the, so the, fabricated. The fact that you're not just trashing water parks right now <laughs> shows how much progress we've made, okay? Like, you know what I mean? The fact that we're even contemplating on this, this song. On, the fact that you, Tyler Sharp, are on this side of the spectrum is 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 huge progress for note scene. Listen, I gotta give, I will always give props where props are due, and I think they're due on this song. I, <laughs> right. I enjoy it. I think it's a 7 out of 10 song for me. I think there is room for improvement. I think there's a lot going on in the song, and less is more. That's what I would recommend them if I could say anything about it. But I will say moving forward, I am cautiously optimistic about water parks and that is a 180 swing from the dumpster fire i tossed them in all throughout the rest of this year (laughs) i get in the broader context of our music scene i get a feeling like they could bring something back that's been missing if they happen in the way that powers are trying to make them happen right we could see something fun like neon again they could like we're wondering where's the scene gonna go all these bands aren't selling anymore everything's dying this could be that they could be the tip of that next golden era potentially like if everything works out i see a light at the end of the tunnel via a band like this and wow yeah didn't think i'd ever say that <laughs> right um, i didn't so think t- water parks would be our dark horse here yeah so tyler sharp excited about the new water parks album I am. And let me just say real quick that the aesthetic of naming your album Entertainment, I really like. And I can't believe I'm saying this much praise about water parks right now, but it's happening. (laughs) All right. Let's move on to our next story, which is that the Somerset. It's funny. It's like another kind of neon pop rock band. This is a neon episode, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And it's straight up. Welcome to the neon cast. But like, you know, of an older era. Okay. Sure. They've broken up. Or they've gone on hiatus. They've basically broken up. Don't right. believe the hiatus bullshit. Um, like, it's such an interesting and weird band to talk about. Like, did they ever really have a chance, Tyler? No. I mean, straight <laughs> up, <laughs> no. I mean, like, the last record, uh, not the last record, um, the one before that, Legendary, it yeah. did what, like 10,000 first week? I think it was a little underneath that. Yeah. It was, like, around there. Yeah. And that was, like, okay, that's decent. But, like, not for the amount of hype that had been pushed into this band. And how sort of big their status was. And the last record, I think it dropped to uh, 7,200 first week, which is uh, real low. And, um, which is weird, because I got that Figure Me Out song, which is the lead single. It felt like a comeback to me. I thought... You know where they were—the song where they were ripping off the Who. Fuck that song, man. I like that song, <laughs> man. And I thought, didn't it seem like everyone was talking about it for a day? Like because day, they were just, ripping off the Who. Yeah, but it was like good. I don't know. I thought it was exciting, no. and I, I was like, there's there's comeback potential here, but it just didn't. It disintegrated. The band just, you know, album flopped. Band's gone. No one cared. They should have stayed broken up in 2015. That's mm-hmm. that's where this narrative comes down to. That's what it all leads to because Stories for Monday first wasn't even supposed to happen. So to put things into perspective, behind the scenes, the Somerset broke up in the summer of 20, 2015 and uh, they were here to call it quits. And then they put together an album and that was supposed to be their swan song kind of deal. It was just supposed to be the way that they were going to go out. And that was Stories for Monday. And then 
once they got closer to the album or for whatever reason, they're like, okay, well we can keep doing this. And still we end up here at the quote unquote hiatus with Brian left, but stories for Monday, that album, this, it was like an eighties meets nineties kind of pop album with, with Brian just singing Mm -hmm. about every romanticizable Americana cliche in the book. Like it, it was just, peak and it was way too much saturation cheese ball more of I, this future hearts bullshit i like, couldn't believe not future that. hearts i mean um shit young renegades oh just less more of this renegades. yeah right, more of that right. kind of bullshit i couldn't believe people were writing for it too i saw people within my circle writing for the comeback and what it was is they were writing for the idea of the summer set a neon right. band they weren't actually writing for this album because it's bullshit man these songs are garbage but it, don't you worry because in two years this band is going to be back for a 10-year tour think, about love like this they need the money man they going need back the money well going back to the first question i asked you is is did they ever really had a chance it's like you say all, you bring up all these points of they should have did this they should have did that but to me it's like does it really matter because this band they just have never really worked you know they've just never been that successful he has that lyric in that figure me out song too punk for the pop kids too pop for the Straight punk kids up. I it's hate how they that for lyric. some reason but like it that it really defines this band like they're just story so far kids don't like this band you know what i mean right pop people you know this band had a weird kind of pop hit with boomerang that like got weird pop radio play which is why legendary was considered a success but like no one really figured out who they were from that song and it's it's a sense pop people really didn't fuck with the somerset they just didn't care to figure out who this band was so i don't think it really carried over the boomerang success you know so but interesting, the band put out a statement, a little bit of shade. Um, I'm going to quote the band. Brian has decided to leave the band in order to pursue his own aspirations. I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see that coming, man. Just who gives a shit at this point, who, man? But like, what's my man going to do? Go solo? Like, this band yeah. was his best shot. That solo shit will never matter. <laughs> <laughs> if we're that done. happens i we're can done. we can we just say that he has a terrible voice that southern helium drawl that brian sings with it's, it's chip terrible core. and i can't believe in the house I, I i just can't get over the scene allowed the summer set to happen in the way that they did in the capacity that they did which was on a very low level but yes. still they should have been a one and done with boomerang i think you know the boomerang's a hit you know jay-z beyonce it's it, was, it works. It was too cheeseball for the scene, man. But that's cheese. that's their problem. They were a scene band with a hit too cheesy for the scene. It's just this band never worked, never should have happened. I remember having many conversations about them at AP and just like, why, how, what, where do they fit? Well, they never fit. End did, of story. Did you ever listen to their very first EP? She's got the rhythm. Yeah. They were a blatant neon band. Like, they were a pop punk band. And then they made the about turn slowly after the first two albums into a straight pop band. But Brian's that was... voice is just garbage, man. I mean, like, let's be nice to the guy. It's, it's, he can sing. He's just, it's a different sound, you know? It's not little, good. Little, little chip monkey. It's not good is what it is. And he can't <laughs> carry a band. That's why the Somerset failed. You think that's why the Somerset failed? Okay. 
I I'm, don't... I'm just going to leave it at that. I think there are more <laughs> reasons than that that the Somerset failed. I think there are a lot more reasons, voice. but ultimately... I agree with you. His voice is not ideal for this situation, but I think there are more reasons. Okay, let's let's move on to our next story, which right. is 30 Seconds to Mars. What is, what's going on with 30 Seconds to Mars, Tyler Sharp? So their new single that they released this summer is at number five on alternative radio. It broke the top five. Uh, walk on is it water. Walking on, is yeah. it walking on water? Yeah, I guess you could say it is walking on water amidst the garbage that Fallout Boy and Sleeping with Sirens released earlier this year. So the story here is that 30 Seconds to Mars kind of came out of nowhere and stole the sports anthem of the year. And this clicked when I heard it on a college football promo a few weekends mm-hmm. ago. And I looked on the radio charts, and to my surprise, there it is in the top five on alt, and it's climbing on rock. It's almost inside the top ten. It might be at this point. So this on the band. other on the other side of the coin, we have Sleeping with Sirens with Legendary and Fallout Boy with or with Legends and Fallout Boy with Champion, who can't Champions. get momentum. Sorry, these songs all <laughs> blend together anyway, Matt. You can't at me on that. <laughs> oh man, you can't at me on that. Uh, so what we're talking about, you know, it's like this is a relatively new phenomenon for the scene, and right now. 30 Seconds to Mars Walk on Water appears to be winning the sports airplay. You know, they're being played at football games. They're being played yep. at, you know, basketball games. They're being played whatever, Olympics, whatever you call it, you know, that Walk on Water is seems to be the leading song, um, especially according to Tyler Sharp. And this is kind of like a <laughs> relatively new thing for the scene. It kind of... Um, yep. You know, like Escape the Fate, we're getting played at hockey games with that Interscope record, like the song Issues, yep. and that was kind of a surprise. Really, though, what we were, where we really saw this take off was Fall Out Boy with Sentries. That was like the first sort of scene band we saw just own every football game, every college game, every basketball game. That song was everywhere, you know? And then we saw Panic try to do it with Victorious. And it was getting so ridiculous at one point. It boiled over to the point where we heard transit on during the Super Bowl. Remember that? <laughs> 2015, man. Shout out to 2015. Yo, but, shout uh, to Young New England. I will ride for that record. Uh, yeah, you can have fun on your island. But it got to the point where Fall Out Boy came out and apologized for how much centuries got <laughs> yeah, overplayed right? on college radio for football games. It was ridiculous at that point. But fast forward to 2017. And we, we have this formula now. And it was so blatant what Sleeping With Tri- Sirens tried to do with that lead single. And it hasn't stuck. It's right around 20th on alt radio right now. Whereas we have 30 Seconds to Mars on two different charts, rock and alt, climbing. Still climbing. And it has yep. been since it dropped. And it's getting played <laughs> on, you know, radio, so college radio formats. I watch a lot of football, T-Sharp. You know that. Right. And I got to say, I have heard fallout boys champions and i have heard last of the real ones so like i'm i i don't know that it's a wash you know i you watch more sports than me you watch you know you'll watch baseball you'll watch basketball you'll watch college football you'll watch football you watch nascar i only watch nfl so (laughs) i have seen fallout boy around like i don't know i don't necessarily know that they're out so Sleeping, though, definitely Legends is, is, is nowhere to be found. But the ultimate measurement, the radio charts right now, it shows that 30 Seconds to Mars is blowing everyone else out of the water, whether or not they're getting played as much and as it, it make, Boy. It makes sense game. as a sports anthem. It really does. And Some... that's where it 
fits best, I think. It's like a 7 out of 10 for me. It's a it's a decent song. Right around it's a bang. there. For sure. It's a good song. But somehow Jared Leto and his Messiah Complex just did it again, <laughs> man. Yep. Oh, <laughs> that, yeah. that band. Okay, let's move on to our next story, which I don't want to spend too much time on, so please don't make me, Tyler. <laughs> Tonight Alive announced a new album. It's called Underworld, and they released a new song called Temple, and they lost a guitarist, and they left their label Fearless for a new label, Hopeless. A lot going on with Tonight Alive, Tyler Sharp. And you what don't do you, think of... you don't want to talk about any of it. <laughs> no. What do you think of the song? Um, I would like to know how many people spit whatever they were chewing out of their mouth when they heard the lead riff in this song. It is the fattest rock riff that this band has ever released. And I don't think yeah, anyone man. saw it coming. Um, this song feels like two different songs put together. And yeah. I will say, to your surprise, Matt, I don't hate this song. I feel like it could have been a lot better if it was focused more. I think this chorus low-key rips, and it's kind of cool to see Jenna being aggressive because the last album saw a very subdued Tonight Alive to the point where I didn't even want this band to exist anymore. But the Mm -hmm. fact that they have a little angst in their veins again, a la No Doubt era Gwen Stefani, that's the vibe I got from the music video. You're giving her a lot of credit there. Wow. You Did you watch the music video? I did. I get those vibes. And I like that there's some aggression here. I like to see that (sighs) in Jenna. It is a hot it's take. It's fucking hot in here, man. But Tonight Alive to Gwen Stefani. Ooh. I think there's something there. And I like to see the aggression in Jenna because um, she can be a little fireball. And I think that's good. I think that's mm-hmm. when Tonight Alive were at their peak, when they were aggressive pop punk. And to see them kind of evolve in a more rocky meets airy kind of ska almost type thing that this song is, I like it. I'm at a six song. and a half out of ten. Okay, that's generous. Um, I'm at a five <laughs> out of ten. I think the song's crap. I've I've always thought this band was crap. They've they've put out three albums, you know, and none of them have had any traction whatsoever. They don't sell records over here. They don't draw for shows. The last record, did you know, Tyler? The last record didn't even chart in the U.S. I know. I know that's it. Did. Like they don't. It's like the we are the in crowd thing all over again. They just it's sure. just not there. It's not sure. happening. It, Yo, like they got the edge on the Amazing Spider-Man 2 soundtrack <laughs> and the Amazing Spider-Man 2 was a terrible movie and a flop. And that's pretty appropriate for this band in a way, I would think. That was definitely again, their peak at that. This point. song is. Yeah, this song five out of ten for me. It's still the most energy I've felt from them. Like, I'll give you that. You there know, you go. Like, there is some energy there. But, um, you know, I think they're, they're, they'll do they'll do fine in Australia and the UK. And, what, you know, they have 100,000 YouTube views already on the song. They have 500,000 Spotify subs. There's an audience there. It's just not here in America. Just go away. Get out of America. <laughs> so I have to say this. You're so we, vicious, we, man. We don't want you. We don't want you here. You know? Wow. Wow. That is uh, you're so aggressive towards this band. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not exactly there. I, I'm just not a fan of this band. I'm glad that people are excited about this song. That's what I'll say. Because if you go through the YouTube comments, it's kind of like, wow, Tonight Alive are back. Because the last album was just garbage. Just oh, undeniable. It was so terrible. And they did and not may- deserve to be And maybe I'm still like a little time. angry that I had to listen to that, you know? Because <laughs> that was that was a tough one. But they had some decent pop punk songs on that first EP. And yeah. some on the full length. There was like a little bit, there was like a kernel of something there in the beginning. 
And then it got blown out into this big thing that it wasn't, you know? Sure. And now they're kind of evolving their sound a little bit more. And I can appreciate that. Okay. We got to move on to our pop stories. Um, We're doing two pop stories this week, Taylor Swift and Pink. Um, Let's start with T-Swift, Tyler Sharp. She released her third single, Gorgeous, following Are You Ready For It? And Look What You Made Me Do. What are your thoughts on Gorgeous, Tyler? This is probably the most middle-of-the-road Taylor Swift can get (laughs) as far as her newfound pop career goes, and I'm not about it at all. The rest of the music industry does not seem to be about it at all. This song will not get momentum. It will not work as a single. A lot of nose. The nose. That's all Take this. cover from Tyler Sharp's nose. It's time. We're dropping some truth bombs over here, got man. got Tommy unloaded. No, no, no. This is a mistake. <laughs> that, that's what this song is for Taylor Swift right now. Look What You Made Me Do finally got to number one after all these weeks, uh, just this past week. And I'm pretty sure it's because her label dished some cash towards it. Because as soon as the week ended, it fell to number six from number one. Songs don't fall like that unless there's uh, some fundage being stopped. Something is being cut off. These songs aren't sticking, unfortunately, because I do genuinely like those first two singles. I think they could be better, but I think that they're good. This song is not good. We've already had this version of Taylor, and she did it better on 1989. I um, pretty much agree with you, Tyler. This song to me was shockingly unremarkable, like for a Taylor Swift song. I just couldn't believe how meh it was. It's very cheesy, which wasn't surprising because Taylor's Taylor can do cheese, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But it was just the unremarkableness of it, just mm-hmm. the meh. Um, you're right. I like "Look What You Made Me Do." That song bumps. I like um, "Are You Ready for It." That song is is pretty fire, actually. Um, I really enjoy it. I was jamming it today when I was cleaning my car, and this is definitely by far the weakest of the three singles she's released. Um, it's it's not even on par with the others. Um, it's a uh, Pretty disappointing, but we're just going to have to see where Taylor goes from here. Absolutely. At this point, everything Taylor does should be remarkable. And this was outrageously unremarkable. When you're the biggest pop store in the in the world, a new song from you, it just it has to shake the foundation. It has to be and an this event. Is, this is just like a, a what? You know, excuse me? You know, it was just whatever. I, there are so many people I've talked to who don't even know that she dropped it. Right. That's a problem. Uh, very, yeah. Very under the radar for T-Swift. But uh, let's move on to our other pop story, which is a little more exciting and filled with a little more good news. Pink is back. She released her new album, Beautiful Trauma, and it debuted at number one on the Billboard charts with uh, 408,000 units sold. And that is the biggest first week debut sales by a female artist in 2017. It's a big deal, and we're going to talk about why it's a big deal. And uh, Tyler Sharp, I know you got a needle. I just, I just blew up this big, beautiful red balloon talking about pink. <laughs> and I know you, I, you got this needle in your back pocket, right? And, and you want to pop my balloon. I'm going to uh, ask you to hold on to your needle for just a little bit. All right, I you wanna, do you. I want to I give pink her props. You do you. And, I, and then I'm going to let you pop it. I'm going to let you use that needle. All right, um, all right. So I think it's really important and interesting that Pink sold over 400,000 units in her first week. It's it's very interesting when you look at the pop landscape today, which I think we should do. Um, as far as female musicians go, there's kind of three 
classes of female pop stars we have right now in the current conversation that Pink would be competing with in a commercial way. So, so far in 2017, or let's say like the last year, October 2016 to October 2017, we've um, only really had two megastars. I'm talking like AAA blue chip stars release albums. And that was Katy Perry. She debuted at 180,000. And Lady Gaga, who debuted at 200,000. And that's the megastar category. And to be in that category, it's like both of those artists could and did play the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? That's the type of thing Mm -hmm. that makes a megastar to me, you know, Mm -hmm. like a household name. And so you factor in those sales, Pink completely smashes them those two megastars and granted both of those were coming off weak singles you know the gaga single was weak um katie perry's lead single was weak and you know you look back at katie with prism she did two hundred eighty-six thousand for a week coming off a strong single like roar so the next category of female pop stars you have in this landscape are what i would call like the alt pop stars these are like pop stars who have that hipster sort of alternative sheen to them and they don't necessarily need radio play and they have sort of more of a cultish fan base and we're talking about and they all sell relatively the same we're talking about lord who did 109,000 first week lana del rey who did 107,000 first week and halsey who did 106,000 first week you have like banks kiara and carly ray like trying to do this as well mm-hmm. um and then the third category is you have the young of the moment celebrity pop stars these are the of the moment girls on the radio and we're talking about like selena gomez she did 117k demi lovato who did 75k miley who did 45k Haley seinfeld tbd she hasn't dropped an album yet so we don't know Uh fifth harmony who did 46k the odd one out here that doesn't fit into either of these categories to me is kesha she did 117k She's kind of an of-the-moment person in that she's getting radio love. She's very culturally relevant, sort of with everything going on socially and social issues. She's um, kind of a megastar in a way, you know? Like, I could almost... In 2011, like, Kesha could have played the Super Bowl. You know, when you think about it, like... In a way. I'd say she's bigger than Bruno Mars, and he did it. You know what I mean? Sure. And also, she's kind of alt now too in a weird way that new album is kind of an alt album like she could almost fall into the halsey lord camp you know now she's making more creative music it's not a top 40 album yeah so that i mean any any other artists you throw in there tyler any of those categories the only one i would throw into the cult category would be melanie martinez ah smart one yeah we totally and that's one that you totally would overlook her but she's low-key got like a gold record right now she's kind of outselling everyone at this point (laughs) you know on the crybaby (laughs) cycle it's kind of ridiculous well well, i'm sure we'll talk more about melanie when the album drops but if listeners if you want to we will talk about that for sure absolutely but listeners if you want to dig down that rabbit hole i highly recommend it melmar for life but yeah so kesha is the odd one out there but you got those those are the three categories to me you got the of the moment young pop stars the alt powerhouses and then the mega stars like gaga and katie and this is the lens where does pink fit here we you know we don't really know but we just all we know is that she just came in and slayed and sold 408,000 first week. <laughs> like, what is Pink, you know? Um, She's a legacy artist at this point, you she, know? She rode in the mid to late, you know, mid to late 2000s, I would say, was Pink's peak. 
And Mm -hmm. it's not that she went away. She's been consistently releasing music ever since. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that this was kind of her last big push. And Mm -hmm. there was a lot of emphasis put on this album from her label. And it's interesting if um, on the New York Times podcast, they talk about how the label told her when she went into this that radio doesn't really play female artists over the age of 35. And she's 38 this year. And she didn't give a shit in true pink fashion. So Mm -hmm. I think just that in and of itself is pink's aesthetic, you know. It's true. When you look at the young of the moment pop stars, they're all very young girls, you know, in their 20s. And And, uh, she went for it anyway and actually got radio play out of this. She's kind of been proving people wrong. Absolutely. You know, she all along the way. Like, let's 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 go through this. Let's um, I don't know age wise where you were, Tyler, as this was happening. Mm -hmm. uh, But um, just update me as we go. So. Pink really breaks out with Get This Party Started. Where were you when that song was happening? Because I was young. What year did that come out in? Oh, one. Oh, God. <laughs> I was Do you five. remember it, though, like when it happened? I was five years. Absolutely, because okay. it was like there was a there was a kid-friendly aesthetic to that oh, song. Like, yeah. You know? Because, it, it got so, kids bopped. It definitely absolutely. got kids bopped. So I, I hear that at, like, you know, gymnasium gatherings at school, at, at basketball games and stuff like that. So that's where I remember that song from. So that's that, that was her first breakout. You know, she was making, like, really lame R&B before that. Like, mm-hmm. There You Go, the song kind of put her on the map, and you probably weren't even born yet Tyler when right. that song came out. but like <laughs> it get this party started and that album misunderstood was it went five times platinum that was like her welcoming to the world mm-hmm. and I was shocked like going back and listening to it like how dated get this party started <laughs> just, like I remember it doesn't I remember, stand like, up yeah like it just it there's cowbells there's like there's like salsa music in it it just doesn't sound like a banger that it used to like I remember we first heard that like we were in we were in a minivan, my buddy's mom's minivan on our way to soccer. You know, we were with my buddy and his little sister and that song came on and like the mom turned it up and it was like we were all loving it. And like we were like riding dirty to that song, dude. You know what I mean? And it was like everybody I was like, who is this? And my buddy told me it's pink. And I was like, this is no way. This is awesome. But like so next pink, like on that album, she cleverly like almost early slid into emo you know she does um she a song moments yeah she does a song like don't let me go which is the hazard to myself song which is just like cleverly sliding into emo and she has the lyric on that song of um tired of being compared to damn britney spears she's so pretty that just ain't me like when i revisited this song for this episode and I, I almost called the fire department. I was like, yo, I know you guys are busy, but like this song cooks and I'm worried about the structural integrity of my house right now. Oh, my God, dude. The 2000s, man. Your house was just living the 2000s all over again. <laughs> right? today. But so then the other big single from this record is just like a pill, which has become a timeless emo jam. Absolutely. And it's funny because it came out in 02, but it sort of lived through emo and went to 06. And it just it's always been an emo favorite. And Mm. it's one of her classics. You know, it'd be like the true pink fans favorite pink song, you know, even though it might not be her biggest and straight up most emo video, most emo music video ever. Like she beat (laughs) MCR to MCR. It's an MCR music video. She beat them. Right. Right. Totally. So Pink puts out another album called Try This, which flops. And then she comes back with I'm Not Dead. 
and that goes double platinum. And this is like proto beginning of the modern pink. I think we know today, you know, that pop rock warrior rebel pink for sure. And that has the hit singles. Who knew? And you, you in your hand. And Dude. who knew is very Kelly Clarkson. Straight up, you knew is my <laughs> jam. So in Kelly middle Clarkson. in middle school, it was you knew, and since you've been gone, man, I rode yeah. for those songs so hard. I bounced back to Pink Kelly Clarkson and Under Oath. You know, there were times, yeah. man. There were times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, since you've been gone is the best song ever written. So you know, <laughs> sure. get props Fair there. Enough. But um, objectively the best song ever written allegedly yeah objective (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so who knew sounds very kelly clarkson and you and your hand that's like the first sort of just like that it's like the moment i think where pink really begins you know it's just you and your hand tonight it's it's um it's it's her just at her peak rebel rebelling rebelling against men you know what i mean telling men to go fuck themselves like she always has been so after that um, she puts out Funhouse in 2008, and this is sort of the new era. She's an iconic star, a rebel warrior, and she has two massive singles again. Sober. That is a fucking huge song, dude. Have you listened to that recently? Not recently, but I absolutely remember it. <laughs> you know, it's a just like a pill callback. And what's crazy is it's a rock song. Dude, who was making rock songs in 08 and succeeding? Pink, pink was pink like the takeaway <laughs> here is like pink's really fucking good guys and like i don't know if we've we realized it but like so as if sober wasn't huge enough she also put out so what which is one of her three number one singles and is arguably her biggest song you know so what i'm still a rock star you're gonna hear it at every wedding fam straight up and all you have to do if you've ever heard this song is say the name and it's instantly stuck in your head. The entire chorus. <laughs> Just instantly. instantly. And you'll never get it out. <laughs> Arguably her biggest song. So then we got, in 2010, she comes back with two more hit singles. It's like the Pink Machine just never stops. It never stops. It's kind of where we're going here. Um, fucking perfect. I mean, how many memories do you have of her screaming, pretty, pretty, please? Pretty, pretty police. You know what I mean? It was just everywhere. Coming home from from school, I'd put on Fuse and VH1 and, you know, Top 20 Countdown and Beyond. And I'd see those videos on the hour, every hour, mm-hmm. you know. It was, it was, it was ridiculous. And it, the, the coolest thing about it for Pink is that it never reached a saturation point. She just kept putting out bangers and bangers and bangers. And at this point that we're talking about now, they were arguably the best of her career. Pretty, pretty, please. Don't you ever feel less than perfect? I mean, like, it's just her screaming that lyric. It was inescapable, you know? It's the full encapsulation that is pink. That's like, what we she got. She kind of does this where she does emo pink and then banger pink because the next <laughs> single of 2010 is, uh, is Raise Your Glass, which her other number one and is arguably her other biggest song. You could make a case <laughs> that this is bigger than So What. You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a case to be made Either way, and I'm going to ask you your opinion in a minute, Tyler Sharp, but this is a permanent club spinner. Raise your glass, whatever club you go to, whatever night, they're going to play Raise Your Glass, 
ever it's it's timeless it's um whatever wedding whatever celebration whatever birthday whatever tv show fucking finale this song is going to be on it's like her acdc shook me you know what i mean it's just it's on at every party it's also the first pink song that like really had that like edm this like edm blush to it it's the first one where she's really pumped up by that edm bump which is interesting um what what do you think is the bigger song this one or um so what I think raise your glass just because it's more Carl it has sustained a, a more cultural relevance than mm-hmm. so uh so what okay so yeah I I mean I think in a hundred years like they'll still be playing raise your glass at weddings <laughs> like you make a good point I kind of agree with you but the thing that I looked at here is that Pink closes with so what that's her encore song or her closing song oh, so okay. I think she's kind of making the call there that like that. That's her song. For that's sure. Song. For it's it's sure. like, that's Pink's song. But if you, you know, I think you could go either way. So in 2012, Pink puts out Truth About Love. Did you know about this record? I didn't. I was neck deep in metalcore, and I had no <laughs> idea what Pink was doing in 2012. But yeah, and she got a number one song off this record. It should just be expected at this point. <laughs> I, but I, I didn't know. Yeah, like you said, it was 2012. I was probably like really fucking into dubstep or something. Like I'm sure my roommate tried to show me the new pink record and I was just drunk and like, dude, check out this drop. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it was But I just Man. totally I totally missed this one. I um, just imagine you wasted in your dorm room listening to fucking Borgor and Skrillex. Skrillex, plate, man. man. Early Skrillex, dude. My name is Skrillex. Scary oh my monsters, gosh. Shouts man. to Sonny, shouts to Matt, shouts to Travis. Um, I just, I missed that one. But apparently it did, it did well for her, so I hear. She Other had a number people one didn't single. miss it. Other yeah. people it went, didn't miss it. It went triple platinum. She had the song with Jack Antonoff. Or not Jack Antonoff, Nate Roos. Nate Roos, yep. That was, her, that was her number one off this record, but yeah. But you know what, the reason I think there's like a disconnect here is because this is 2012, and what's going to happen the next year is we're going to get Miley's Bangers. We're going to get Katy Perry's Prism. We're going to get new Ariana era. Grande. We're going to 2013 is really the new era. Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of kind of wash pink away. You know what I mean? Like that new 2013, the next year, we flip a switch and Miley's here with Bangers. Ari's here. Kay's here with Prism. It's just a totally new pop landscape. And pink vanishes. And then last year, she shows up again with just like fire which is a song she wrote for a movie soundtrack a movie that didn't even do that good alice in wonderland Mm -hmm. and it becomes a top 10 hit (laughs) and all of a sudden it's in the conversation again and 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 now we land at beautiful trauma before we talk about the album i just like my impression of pink i've always gotten is that like she's kind of i guess she's like the tom petty of pop almost and like that's a good one she's like to me she's gwen stefani who could actually fuck you up you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't. You know, she's like a Gwen Stefani type who could actually kick your ass. Absolutely. And she's like weirdly like, and I don't mean this in, a, in an offensive way, but like kind of proudly white trash in a way, like in the same way Eminem is. Like she could be like, yeah, I'm from the trailer park. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? It's like you would want Pink on your side in a fight. Absolutely. <laughs> she smash a bottle over somebody's head. You know? It's going down. And I, growing up, you know, I never really contextualized that in my head. I was just always like, this is Pink. She makes bangers and she could probably beat me up. that's what it came down to and i always rode for pink and i feel like a lot of scene kids are in that same boat and now we arrive in 2017 and pink is at the forefront of the conversation with the biggest 
first week for a female act by far. This isn't even close what she just did. So beautiful trauma, the new album, Tyler. Where are you at with it? I got to come out straight up and I haven't listened to it yet. Okay. I listened to the Eminem song as we talked about on the uh, episode on last week's episode. I was disappointed in it. I don't like that kind of fun vibe that Stop comes off. Ignoring of that song. Pink, Tyler. It's like we just had this whole conversation of like we've been ignoring Pink for twenty years, and she's just been <laughs> delivering us bangers, and like we just keep ignoring her. Uh, I did. I <laughs> you just did it. I listened to the record. I don't like it. Oh, um, really? Okay. And I went into it like 2017 has been a really shitty year, you know, and like realizing that Pink makes these bangers. I just wanted one. I wanted a banger. You know, I was like, I need you, girl. I really need like a razor glass right now or I really need a so what. Sure, sure. And uh, the intro guitar on the song I Am Here had me for a sec, but it didn't really go anywhere. Um, there's just a lot of sadness on this record. To yeah. Be honest. And I mean, and, uh, aesthetically, that makes sense. It's called Beautiful Trauma. And, and what about us? I'm not too surprised at your takeaway from yeah. it saying there's not the typical pink you know outright bangers on it because that song is more of a ballad and i was wondering if it's the rest like of a, the album is going to be like that yeah that to me what about us to me is like her doing sad chain smokers kind of in kind a way of. edm ballad yeah. sad jam. yeah the the pink banger where you're looking for it's not here and it's kind of a bummer i think revenge is the strongest song off the album that's really? all with eminem wow yeah okay um, just got to shout this M lyric. He says, uh, <laughs> first you turn your back on me, then you tell me that I stabbed you in it. Just think about that lyric for a minute and how fucking clever it is. I love it. Um, That's just M, man. He's out there right? still rolling. Over 40. Like, who thinks like that? Turn your back on. You know, you turned your back on me and then you said I stabbed you in it. Oh, my God. But so the takeaway from all this, I think, is that Pink should play the fucking Super Bowl, right? <laughs> Pink is like a Gaga or a Katy Perry. Pink could totally just go up there and do, you know, 10 hits straight. She could do it. Absolutely. Why not? Oh, Justin Timberlake was just announced to be performing at this year's Super Bowl. Just yeah. now? <laughs> was, is this yeah, some yeah, really breaking news on note to scene? Yeah, like literally right before we recorded this episode and I wanted to make that point, I the news went everywhere that Justin Timberlake's doing it. Which, yo, shouts to JT. That's the dude. But I think it would have been cool to have Pink do it. You know? Absolutely. It would have been cool to see Pink do it. And I think she can do it. I think maybe she next, can too. Maybe next time. Yeah, I think she can too. Okay, um, you got a bubble to pop, Tyler? I do have a bubble to pop here, and I'm not going to pop it too hard. I'm going to be okay. gentle with this one because, as we've just established, we love, love pink. pink, and she can kick our ass. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> you don't get fucked up. <laughs> Is that what this comes down to? So the music industry, major labels, have taken a new liking to finding a new way to sell albums in 2017. As we've talked about, as you probably know, listeners, those who have gotten mad at us for focusing on sales so much, the physical copy is slowly dying. It's not dying as fast as you want to believe it's dying, all you streaming truthers out there, but it is dying. The major labels in the music industry won't let it die. And the physical copy is very underrated in 2017. She did 408,000 sales plus streaming. So that mm-hmm. number is including streaming. She did 384,000 traditional copies first week. And mm-hmm. this is because she included a physical copy of her album as a kind of instant gratification deal with uh, 
purchase of a ticket to her concert, which she's doing an right. arena tour right now. Buy a ticket, you get an album. Right. It's kind of cheating. Kind of, but I'm kind of about it because I'm all about finding loopholes in SoundScan and in the music industry. And I think if you can get away with it, go for it. I.e. Post Malone, Rockstar, dive if down somebody that who already has space. all your music on Spotify buys a ticket and gets a copy of your album that they throw away when they get home, you know, because they don't fucking need it. Like, does that really count as a sale? So here's my thing. I read an article about uh, that Billboard posted today. They did the top 10 as they do every week. And they went in, they dove as deep as they've done so far about this ticket purchase plus album kind of deal and how it gets tied into first week sales. And there was a lot of interesting notes in there. But one that really stood out to me is those who purchase a ticket have an option to claim the album and have it delivered to their house. And if you don't claim the album, it doesn't count as a sale. Okay. So I think that there's some truth behind people wanting this album. Sure, mm-hmm. they paid for it. It's like you can have the argument that they paid for it. Obviously, they're going to have it delivered. But at the same rate, Billboard notes in this article, most people don't claim the album. That's word right. for word from Billboard. Because if you think about it, if everyone who bought a concert ticket got the album, Pink would have I'm, done yeah. like a million first week. So... <laughs> Yeah, so she does 400,000. And I think what I read from Hits is that basically 200,000 of these albums that were sold are related to the ticket sales. I heard so, a more updated number to 240. Two, okay, wow. So I, I'm not like, don't quote me on that. For okay, sure, so but around 200, though, yeah, right? somewhere between can, there. So in reality, when you, if you want to be fair, and let's compare her to Katie and Gaga. Pink really sold around 200,000 first week, which that makes more sense. That Absolutely. She's not blowing away the mega stars like Katy Perry and Gaga. You know what I mean? So when you factor in the, but it's to me, Pink selling 200,000 in 2017 is still a win. Still. You know? Absolutely. Like, I wouldn't have even projected that. I would have, you know, if you would have came to me before this album came out. And without doing any research on Pink to see where she's been the last seven years. And without the strongest lead single. You know? I would have said, you know, around what Kesha did, 120. Maybe a little less, even. Sure, Maybe 100. Yeah. yeah, right around there. But she's so still a Pink, force, man. And that's she's awesome. She's a big force. And yeah, that's really is. cool to see. Because we grew up with Pink. And it's awesome to see her still being able to succeed. Right. Um, the lesson here, stop ignoring Pink, everyone. You know, like, <laughs> she's there. She's been giving us bangers for years. And she, the, Pink's really fucking good. Like, Absolutely. that's the takeaway here. Thank you, uh, Scene Kids, for sticking with us through the Pink conversation. <laughs> I know we started in the scene. Somehow we ended up doing a Pink tribute show. But uh, that is it for the show this week. Um, we thank everyone for listening. If you have any questions, send them to notescene at gmail.com, and we will be happy to answer them on the show. If you enjoy the show, please, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, give us those five stars, and we will love you. Okay, we will see you next week. Bye.